Hey church, it's so good to be with you once again as we are in our series called Table Manners and where we look at the different behaviors that we are required to have as we're seated around the table of the Lord with a bunch of other people. And uh, so I hope you've picked up a few manners in the last few weeks. But today we are talking about a behavior or a table manner that isn't only required as a child of God, as seated around this table, but it has immense benefit for your life. It's one of those behaviors that you are required to do, and sometimes you don't really feel like doing it, but when you do it, there are so many benefits that come your way when you start practicing this behavior. I mean, this behavior has the ability to change your life, and I'm not saying that lightly. I'm really meaning it when I say that it has the ability to change the way that you interact with people. It has the ability to change your relationship with God and the people around you. It has health benefits. It has psychological benefits. I mean, this is such a huge deal that I really, really believe we all should pay attention when Scripture talks about this. And why wouldn't we want a life that is working, a life that means something, a life that isn't, you know, filled with a bunch of relational struggles and things happening in your life and in your mind and in your spirit and in your body. Uh, who doesn't want that? I want to reap the benefits of a life lived according to God's law, according to God's word, according to his precepts and his table manners. And so today we're looking at this table manner. And this table manner is represented in three words. Now, last week we spoke about confessing to one another. And we said that there were three words that you need to learn to say. And that is, I was wrong. And so that's one side of the coin. Today we're talking about the other side of the coin. And so I've got three words that if you really apply them and really start living them, they might just change your life. And these three words are, I hope you're ready, is get over it. Just get over it. And so I want you to turn your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. And listen to what, what Paul writes here. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves... You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then he says this, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to living peace and always be thankful. Hey, I love what Paul says. Make allowance for each other's faults. And then he says, forgive anyone who offends you because you have been forgiven much. And so when we say get over it, we're talking about that really big thing that most of us struggle with, and it's called forgiveness. 
Maybe you don't struggle with that. Maybe you find it very easy to let things go. And then that's great. Maybe we can learn from you. But forgiveness isn't necessarily an easy thing. And I want you to, to just read with me a couple of statements that Jesus made regarding forgiveness. A couple of things that he said. So Luke chapter 6 verse 37. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. And then he says, forgive others and you will be forgiven. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Matthew 18 verse 21 and 22. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Luke chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. And then lastly, Matthew 5, verse 43 to 44, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Now, we have gone through a couple of statements regarding forgiveness from the mouth of Jesus, and none of these statements are easy. He, he places a demand on our lives when we are seated around the table of the Lord, when we call ourselves disciples or followers of Jesus. He places this demand on our life and He doesn't give us an option. Jesus says you must forgive. It is a required behavior of someone that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. And Jesus connects this to something. He says, if you don't forgive... God won't forgive you. Now, wow, there are many things that I would not like in this life. But not having God's forgiveness is probably at the top of my list. Because God's forgiveness is what we preach, is what we, is what we teach, is what we live, is that we were sinners. And because of His love for us, He forgave us so that we could live with Him forever. That's what we teach. And is it possible that through one of our actions, we could experience unforgiveness from God because we don't want to forgive? The Bible is full of that. And I know when it comes to forgiveness, it might be really, really hard. Because when it comes to the relationships that we have in our lives, I think that is the place where we hurt the most. We could forgive accidents and we, we could sort of, you know, work through the pain that comes as a result of an accident or an unfortunate event. When someone hurts you unintentionally, you know, something happens and there, were, there was no uh, malicious intent, we can, we can sort of work through that. It still hurts, but we can work through that. But the worst pain is when someone that you trust or someone that you love intentionally hurts you. 
And I know that you might be listening, listening to this and there might have been people in your life that were malicious toward you, that stabbed you in the back, that had ill intentions regarding you and you trusted them and you had faith in them and they broke that trust. They broke that faith and, and it's still hurting today. Maybe it was a father who you know is supposed to love and care for you. But he did it. He hurt you. Maybe it was a mother that left you. Maybe it was an uncle or an aunt or a friend or a colleague. But today I want to tell you that the Bible's answer to the hurts of this life, what he did to you, what she did to you, what they did to you, the answer is simple but it's not easy. And the simple answer is get over it. And when I'm saying that, I'm not saying it in the, you know, in a light way, like, oh man, just get over it. I'm talking about serious forgiveness. To get over something, it means that you need to forgive. It means that you need to move along. And maybe just something humorous, a little girl had this great wisdom. Maura Stewart, aged eight, said this, sometimes you just need to take a nap and get over it. Maybe that's all you need. And as I said, it's simple, but it's not easy. And when we don't forgive, we tend to hold on to things. We tend to keep things for ourselves. We call that a grudge. And maybe you're holding a grudge that you're not even aware of. You, you've thought that you've gotten over it way back, but every now and then something happens and uh, some anger flares up or some resentment flares up or something just happens inside of you. You might wonder, where is that from? Maybe it's something that you haven't really gotten over. Maybe you haven't really forgiven when it came to those things. And when we hold a grudge, Things happen in our lives. And research has been done on this. And uh, just a few things maybe, you know, to help you out. But if you're unforgiving, if you're holding a grudge, you may pay the price repeatedly by bringing anger and bitterness not only into that relationship, but every other relationship that you're in. Because suddenly you don't trust people. And the currency of a relationship is trust. I mean, if we don't trust how will we have a relationship? And so if you don't forgive, you might bring that into other relationships. You, you might be so wrapped up in the past and what happened to you that you can't enjoy what is happening today. You know, depression and anxiety might flourish in that atmosphere, in that space, in, in where you find yourself there. You may even find your life lacking meaning and purpose because you're so caught up in what happened to you and, and what, what they did to you, what she did to you, what he did to you, that, that life becomes devoid of meaning. And so suddenly you lose what you actually want. You want to be connected with other people, but you lose that. You know, holding on to anger is like picking up a hot coal and trying to throw that at someone. You are the one who gets burned. 
And holding on to what was did to you and what was wrong is not the way that we see in Scripture. And not only Scripture, but research has shown this, that there are actual health benefits to forgiving, to getting over something. I'm going to read some of, you, some of this to you. It says that people who forgive have healthier relationships. They have improved psychological and spiritual health. They have less stress, anxiety, and tension. They have lower blood pressure. They have a decrease in depression. They have a lower risk of alcohol and substance abuse. They have healthier hearts, physical hearts. Um, it, they have a decrease in the experience of pain, and they live longer. Now, I don't know about you, but even if it's only for the health benefits, forgiveness sounds like a good idea. It sounds like God knew what He was saying and what He was doing when He told us, listen, when you're seated around this table, I know that there are people that might hurt you or people that aren't even seated around this table that have hurt you. But when you come to this table, one of the requirements of a follower of Jesus is that we will have lives that reflect exactly what God did for us. And that is, He forgave us. And... When we spoke about the other side of the coin last week, when we said we need to confess, we need to say I was wrong, we said that there was a main aim to saying I was wrong. And the main aim of forgiveness is not necessarily reconciliation, but it's to be free yourself. See, unforgiveness binds you to something that happened in the past. And when we live as children of God, we want to be free from those things. We are striving toward the prize, Paul says, that God has for us. We're looking forward. We're heading in the forward direction. And unforgiveness binds you to what happened. And, and maybe there's something in your life. Maybe there's something that happened. It, it might have been 20, 30 years ago. Or it might have been last week. But you can feel it tugging and, and keeping you from moving ahead. That's what Jesus is trying to say. That's what Scripture is trying to teach. Is that there is freedom for you. But sometimes it's not only just God saying you are free. Sometimes it requires something on your part. And that is forgiveness. St. Augustine of Hippo said the following. Two works of mercy set a man free. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and you will receive. See, we are called to live generously with our lives, to forgive, to give. We are called to a freedom in Jesus, not to be enslaved by anything that trips us up or keeps us back. And we need to want to get free from anything that holds us back from what Jesus wants for us. And I know it might be really difficult. And, and by now, I hope you get the idea that Scripture is clear about the fact that we need to forgive. And we could have gone into so much detail if we had more time. But Scripture calls you to forget, to let go, to get over things that is trying to keep you back from the grace of God. But in my experience, 
the moment that we start thinking about forgiveness, there are a couple of questions that usually pop up. Usually, you know, struggle in our hearts against this idea of forgiveness. And these questions might be the very things that trip you up. And, and sometimes when these questions get asked or we assume that they will go in a certain direction and they don't go that way, we think that forgiveness hasn't really happened. And so in the message today, on the one hand, I'm saying Get free from things. Get free from the past and things that hold you back. But also, I want to maybe help you to get free from certain perceptions that we have about forgiveness and how it works. And so, some of the questions that come up, the first one is that, um, but does forgiveness guarantee restoration? So, when I forgive, now should there be relationship? Should we, you know, love one another again in such a way and be a happy family or, you know, restore that friendship of that person that hurt you so badly? Or should the business get back together? And the answer is categorically no. The, the mission of forgiveness is not necessarily restoring relationships. That might be a byproduct, but the primary mission of forgiveness, the primary aim that we said earlier is for you to live free. And so to think that we need to restore every single relationship, I think it just hinders and it limits us. You know, it's not an attempt to seek a relationship with the man that molested your child, or perhaps you, or the man that raped you, or the business partner that stole so much from you. It's not an attempt to restore that relationship. It is an attempt to free yourself from the things that keep you back, keep you from doing and accomplishing what God wants for you. And so restoration isn't always guaranteed. It isn't always that you go back into that relationship. And I think one of the reasons why we think that we need to restore relationships is because we have really um, weak boundaries. Sometimes you need to draw the line and say, I will live free, and which means that I will forgive you. I don't understand why you did what you did and you really hurt me, but I don't want to live under the conviction and under the weight of dragging that event behind me. I really want to get over it, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be your friend. I can love you. I can respect you because you were created in God's image, but I don't have to spend every waking second with you. And so forgiveness is not an attempt to restore relationships. If that happens, that is amazing. But that is not the primary aim. David Stoop said the following in his book, Forgiving the Unforgivable. If I am required by God to be a forgiving person, then my ability to forgive must rest solely with me. It does not require the other person's participation. Sometimes we, we want others to participate in this forgiving thing. But usually that's not the case. And that's why I'm saying forgiveness is not primarily aimed at restoring relationship. It's for you to get free. So 
That's the first question that a lot of people ask. And the second question is, but what if the other person doesn't change? Well, it sort of links to the first one. We don't really need their participation because for me to be free, I don't need them to change. I'm the one that aligns myself with the plans and the purposes of God because not everyone changes or wants to change. And, and that might be difficult because in relationships, sometimes what we do is we don't really forgive. We try to get the other person to see our point of view. That's what we try to do. We try to win them over, over to our side. And when they don't come over to our side, we sort of feel, well, this isn't really worked out. See, forgiveness is not winning someone over to your side and have them change to the idea that you would like them to be. It is simply getting over and allowing God to work with them. So not everyone changes. Forgiveness won't cause them to change. God who works inside of them changes them. And then we have another question that I know it, it's, it's said in our language and a lot of people say forgive and forget. And then maybe sometimes you feel, but I can't forget. Well, I'm very glad that you can't forget. Because in order for you to forget what happened might require a really hard hit on the head or a surgical procedure to remove a part of your mind. You can't forget that it happened to you. It's part of your life. Lewis Smedes in his book, Forgive and Forget, said the following, If you forget, you will not forgive at all. You can never forgive people for the things you have forgotten about. You know, remembering is part of developing and growing as a child of God. And sometimes you, you remember the things that happened to you and they were bad things. They were tough things. They were hard things. And you're going to remember those. But because you remember them doesn't mean you haven't forgiven yet. Some people think that we need to forgive and forgive and forgive. And they take Jesus' words about 70 times 7 literally. And they just forgive and forgive and forgive. And hopefully that by the time I get to five or 600 forgivenesses, I would have forgotten. It's not going to happen. It's the way that we see what happened to us. That God is changing when we forgive. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul writes about his life. And he talks about all the hardships that he faced. And in other places in Corinthians as well, he tells us what he went through for the sake of the gospel. I mean, Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was thrown in prison numerous times. He got 40 lashes, the same that Jesus got once. Paul got it five times. Paul had severe illness. Paul went hungry. Paul went through all these hardships. But he viewed it from another angle. And this is what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never been flogged. I have never suffered to the extent that Paul has suffered in his body physically. The, the things that people did to him. And he comes and he says, 
that my present troubles, the floggings, the shipwrecking, the being bitten by a snake, you know, all of those being thrown in jail, that is just small. It won't last very long. Paul is not denying the reality. He is doing something else. And when it comes to forgiveness, we need to do this. Listen to what he says to the rest of this. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Look at this. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Paul says, I acknowledge that there are things happening to me and there's things that have happened to me and there were things in the past. But if I forgive, I am looking toward a future. I'm looking to something bigger. There's a reward that God has for me. And when you start forgiving, you reframe the things that happened to you by saying, I know I can't forget, but when I think of those things, can I say that I have been forgiven and I have forgiven and God is working in me? I have stripped off everything that keeps me back. I'm reaching for the prize. Can you reframe what happened to you? That's what happens. So we don't forget. We reframe. We view it through the lens of Scripture. And there's one last question that I think we ask from time to time. But what if they get away with it? And that is based in our sense of justice. We want to, you know, we, we want justice to prevail. So we want to go after them. We want to show them that they were wrong. We want to teach them a lesson. We, we don't want them to get away with it. That's why we love movies where the bad guys get caught. It's our sense of justice. And now we get into real life situations where the bad guy or the bad girl or the bad business partner or the bad parent it seems like they're getting away with things. And I want to turn your attention to the book of Judges. And there are two kings speaking to one another. And the one king, the king Ammon, he says he did something wrong to King Jephthah. And Jephthah speaks to Ammon in Judges 11 verse 27. And he says this, Therefore I have not sinned against you, rather you have wronged me, by attacking me. So something was done to Jephthah. And he says, you did me wrong. And then he does this. Let the Lord, who is the judge, decide today which of us is right. Do you still trust that God, the king of justice, will not let people get away with things? In the end, God is the judge. We will all have to answer for what we did on this earth. And can you trust God enough that He will bring justice to your life and to whoever wronged you? Can you say, as Jephthah said, let God be the judge between us? And when we trust God in that way, forgiveness becomes a faith issue. Because I trust Him, so I forgive you. And if you did wrong and you didn't repent, God's going to be on the lookout for you. See, when we forgive, we want to be free. We want to be free from the things that weigh us down. And the Lord knows there are so many things these days that weigh us down. 
There's financial pressures and economic issues and governmental stuff and political issues and, uh, you know, stress and anxiety and depression and all these things that weigh us down. I don't want something else to be able to hold me back from what God has in store for me. And so when Jesus says, forgive, I want to listen to him. Because if there's ever been someone who was justified in their anger, justified in maybe not forgiving, it was him. He was the innocent son of God. And they spat on him and they flogged him and they crucified him and they murdered him without reason. And still, he hung on that cross and said the following, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus set that example. Maybe you have things in your life that's holding you back, events that happened in the past, and, and the Spirit of God might be speaking to you right now and saying, get over it. Get past it. I know it's not easy. I know it's not said lightly, but forgive. Start this journey. Start forgiving people. And maybe forgiveness isn't a once-off thing for you. Maybe you're going to constantly forgive someone for the next couple of months until it becomes a reality, until you're free from that in your spirit. But I want to encourage you today. Keep on forgiving. I want to end off today with a quote by D.A. Carson. And he says, Those in the kingdom serve a great king who has invariably forgiven far more then they can ever forgive one another. Therefore, failure to forgive excludes one from the kingdom whose pattern is to forgive. It is a pattern in the kingdom of God. It is a required behavior around this table of God. It is one of the manners around this table that we are required to have as followers of Jesus. And know that the relationship might not restore and that's okay. But someone's not going to get away with it. God remains the judge. May you trust that the Lord works in His time, in His way. But I encourage you today to get free from the past. Forgive. Start this journey. Speak to Him. Say, Lord, help me to forgive. Maybe you need to pray to Him today. Maybe after you've watched this, just Write down a couple of names of people who've wronged you and, and really start speaking forgiveness into those situations. Even if the relationship doesn't restore, trust God that He's working in you so that you might be free to reach into the future, into what God has for you, into the potential that He has placed inside of you. And that's my prayer for you today that you will live free. Can we pray together? Father, thank you that this is one of the primary things that you came to do for us through Jesus. Scripture teaches that we were slaves to sin. There was something holding us back, something dragging us down. And you sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made free from the things that hold us back.
Father, I know that there are things that have happened in our lives that have really, really hurt us. And I don't want to make light of those events. Lord, it, it might have been extremely traumatic. It might have been extremely painful. And maybe years after this, we might still be struggling to get over it. But Father, you have called us to a life of freedom. And right now, I pray that your Holy Spirit will come and start this process of becoming free. As people start forgiving, as they start speaking forgiveness. Lord, it might not feel like they're forgiving. It might not be an emotion coming over them right now. But they're going to do it in faith and speak forgiveness over the lives of people. Lord, thank you that you set them free. That we can live in this glorious freedom that you have called us to. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good visiting with you today. Get over it. God bless you.